0: Welcome to the Conkey Ride Home for Monday, March 14th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, how many digits of pi is the right amount to use? Plus, what actually causes people to lose their sense of smell when they get COVID? And how can you work to recover yours if you lost it? And Saturday Night Live's Pete Davidson is going to space. Here are some of the cool things from the news Today. Well, today is always a fun day for mostly US based nerds who write their dates with the month first because today is 314, aka Pi Day. Here on the East Coast, we are passing 314, 1 59 p.m., right around the time that I'm editing this. And back in the day, my friends and I used to love celebrating Pi Day by baking a bunch of different pies and then taking them to the park on what was often one of the first reasonably warm enough days. For a picnic, and one of the cooler Pi Day related things that I discovered this year has actually been around for over a decade now. So maybe you've come across it before, but I heard about it for the first time thanks to a short video by YouTube edutainer Vsauce. In it, he plugged a book of poetry, short stories, games, etc., that was written by Michael Keith. The book is called Not Awake. And it is a 10,000-word book in which every word contains the number of letters corresponding to that respective digit of pi. So, for example, the first line is, Now I fall, a tired suburban, in liquid under the trees. And the number of letters in each of those words in order is three, one, four, one, five, nine, two, six, five, three, five. And so it goes for the entire book, 10,000 digits of pi worth. Pretty freaking cool and impressive. Vsauce shared it as an example of constrained writing, which is something I always appreciate. You know, it's often a really cool exercise to give yourself certain constraints in a creative work and see what weirdness and magic can come from it. But speaking of the many, many digits of pi, good ol' Rhett Allen is back on his physics beat at Wired today with an exploration of how many digits of pi are really necessary for various applications, and if using more of them is actually a bad thing at a certain point. So first, for the non-math nerds listening, a reminder that pi is an irrational number, with digits that go on basically forever. Sometimes it's written as the fraction, 22 over 7, most of the time it's written simply as 3.14, or in a lot of places, 3.14159. Many institutions and disciplines will have different standards of practice for how many digits they use in its simplest form pi is the ratio of the circumference and the diameter of a circle you might remember the formula circumference over diameter equals pi that is always true no matter what circle you're measuring as allen states it is the same for the period at the end of a sentence as it is for the earth's equator pi pops up in a lot of other places too but that's kind of the important bit to keep in mind But since we can't use all of the digits of pi, anyways, why do we use the 10th and 100th decimal places? You know, why don't we just make things easier on ourselves and round down to three? Alan explores this idea with the example of speedometers in cars, which measure the speed you're going based on the rotation of your car's tires. So a full rotation causes the car to move forward a length equivalent to the circumference of the tire. So we can use an equation that the distance the tire travels is equal to the number of rotations times two pi r for radius. Basically, the distance is the number of rotations times the circumference. And from there, Alan calculates the velocity to get the rate of change of distance and plugs in some numbers for a real world example. Quote, suppose I have a car with a wheel radius of 25 centimeters that travels at a speed of 50 miles an hour. This would have a wheel rotation of 14.2297 rotations per second. But suppose that we went the other way. Let's say that the vehicle measured the same rotation rate, but used a value of pi equals 3 to calculate the speed. This would give the speedometer a reading of forty-seven point seven four six six miles per hour. That's a speed error of 4.5%, end quote. So by rounding down to just three instead of using 3.14 we get a pretty significant difference although alan points out that speedometers are not a perfect science and because of that at least here in the us the department of transportation gives a margin of error of plus or minus five for speedometer readings so actually a 4.5 margin of error would technically still be okay but the point stands that using three on its own did create a significant difference in the calculation Alan also worked some math on the density of the Earth, rounding pi down to 3 again, and got a difference of about 250 kilograms per cubic meter. But he points out that the Earth isn't a perfect sphere, more of an oblate spheroid. It's wider around the equator than from the north to the south pole, which means that 250 kilograms per cubic meter as a difference once again actually isn't so bad. But there are some calculations where any margin of error could be catastrophic, like for, say, when you're blasting humans off into space. So NASA uses a full 15 digits of pi. And here's what Alan has to say about that. Quote, NASA describes the digits of pi with an example using the Voyager 1 spacecraft at a distance of 12.5 billion miles away from the Earth. And actually, that answer from NASA was created in 2015, and Voyager is now more like 14.5 billion miles away. But let's think of that as Voyager's distance from the Sun. It's pretty close to the same thing. So we can imagine this enormous distance as the radius of a huge circle centered on the Sun, as if Voyager was in the circular orbit around the Sun— We can calculate the circumference of this circle by using two pi r, and using 15 digits of pi gives a circumference of something like 91 billion miles, which is very long. If you use more digits of pi, like, say, 21 digits, the circumference would actually be longer. But here's the important part. Even with six more digits, you only get a circumference that's 5.95 inches longer. I mean, could you imagine measuring 91 billion miles and then only being off by less than half a foot? That's super accurate, so there's not much point in calculating beyond the 15th digit. The returns really diminish beyond that point. But what about using just one digit? If you used a value of 3 for pi, that would make a circumference that is 9.1 billion miles shorter. Yes, I think that makes a difference." End quote. So how many digits of pi should you use? it really depends on what you're doing. But thankfully, there are tons of smart people out there who have probably figured it out already, and you can just look up what they've already determined is the best amount for each application. And if you're just looking for an excuse to eat some sweet pies or pizza pies today, I'm dropping a link in the show notes to some chain and local restaurants offering various promotions for the occasion. So, it is unfortunately pretty likely that you or someone you know lost their sense of smell when they got COVID, and maybe hasn't completely gotten it back. In addition to anosmia, which is the abrupt loss of smell, some people have experienced parosmia, in which things smell or taste like something else. For example, strawberries now taste absolutely rancid. A lot of people with long COVID have described only being able to stomach a handful of foods because so many of them, including old favorites, smell or taste terrible now. But what's going on here? Why is this happening? What about COVID causes this? It's something a lot of scientists around the world have been working to figure out because it's such a curious symptom, and may also reveal the key to understanding some of COVID's, especially long COVID's, more unique symptoms. According to a paper published in the journal Cell in February, which aligns with findings from earlier studies, the novel coronavirus does not infect the nerve cells that detect odors, but it does attack nearby cells in the nasal cavity. Quoting the New York Times, The infected cells shed virus and die, while immune cells flood the region to fight the virus. The subsequent inflammation wreaks havoc on smell receptors, proteins on the surface of the nerve cells in the nose that detect and transmit information about odors. The process alters the sophisticated organization of genes in those neurons, essentially short-circuiting them, the researchers reported. Many complications of COVID appear to be caused by the immune system's friendly fire as it responds to infection by flooding the bloodstream with inflammatory proteins called cytokines, which can damage tissue and organs. This might be a general principle that a lot of what the virus is doing to us is a consequence of its ability to generate inflammation, said Dr. Sandeep Robert Dada, an associate professor of neurobiology at Harvard Medical School who was not involved in the study, end quote. The research team used human specimens and golden hamsters infected with coronavirus to study how the virus infected the olfactory system. And apparently the way that they were able to determine if the hamsters had lost their sense of smell was by restricting their food for a few hours and then hiding cocoa puffs in their bedding and waiting to see if they could find it within seconds like usual or if they didn't notice. And today I learned that I have the same favorite cereal as golden hamsters. The experiment helped the researchers understand a little bit more about that reorganization of genes in the neurons. And again, it's not the virus that's doing the reorganizing, it's the inflammatory immune response. So, quoting again, The ability of the olfactory receptors to send and receive messages is disrupted but the neurons don't die and so the system can recover after the illness resolves earlier work at the zuckerman institute showed that neurons that detect smells have complex genomic organizational structures that are essential to the creation of odor receptors and the receptor genes communicate among themselves very intensively said stavros Lomvardis, one of the paper's corresponding authors We saw early on that upon infection, the genomic organization of these neurons changes completely. They're unrecognizable compared to how they normally are, Dr. Lombardis said. There's a signal released from the infected cells that is received by the neurons that normally detect odors and tells them to reorganize and stop expression of olfactory receptor genes, he said. He suggested that this may represent an evolutionary adaptation that offers a form of antiviral resistance and whose main purpose may be to prevent the virus from entering the brain. That was a relief for us, he said. That was one piece of good news, end quote. And for anyone who has lost their sense of smell or is experiencing a form of parosmia, another New York Times article offers some tips for something called smell training, So first, if you've been experiencing it for a while, it's a good idea to go to an ear, nose and throat doctor to get checked up. The vast majority of people's smell returns within six months. If yours hasn't, or even if it hasn't been that long, because really that is a long time to not be able to smell, it's a good idea to get checked up and make sure it isn't related to another medical condition that could have had an onset around the same time you had COVID. Some doctors noted to the Times that this turned out to be the case for a few of their patients, like one who actually had nasal polyps, not a COVID-related loss of smell at all. But if you do have a loss of smell and it is starting to get to you, it's worth it to try smell training. What you do is pick out 4 scents that are familiar to you, things that evoke strong memories are especially good, so maybe a favorite strong candle, a shampoo, or even bad scents like spoiled milk. Essential oils are also a pretty good choice since they're so concentrated and they're easy to keep stored and on hand for training so long as you know what they smell like and can get someone else to verify that they do have a strong scent. So twice a day for three months, you should take 20 seconds to smell each of the four scents in turn. And do quick sniffs, not long, deep inhales. And while you sniff, imagine what the item used to smell or taste like. Pamela Dalton, a faculty member at the Monell Chemical Senses Center, told The Times, quote, It's not simply the act of smelling something, but it's also this sort of mindful imagining of what that smelled like when you were eating it or when you put it on your skin, if it was lotion, for example. It just makes it more enjoyable to continue with the process, and the brain plays such a big role in how we perceive smell, end quote. So if you still don't have your sense of smell back, give smell training a try and work on getting those neurons organized back how they used to be before you got COVID. Well, Pete Davidson is going to space next week. I mean, to be honest, if I were facing all those threats and public drama with Kanye West right now, I would also feel like leaving the planet. Davidson will be flying aboard Blue Origin's fourth human flight as part of the New Shepard program. Blue Origin is Jeff Bezos' private spaceflight company, and New Shepard is the program that has taken the likes of Wally Funk, William Shatner, Michael Strahan, and Bezos himself up to the edge of space, a little over 65 miles in altitude, where passengers experience four minutes of weightlessness before coming back down. Five other people will be on board the flight with Davidson, including Party America CEO Marty Allen, philanthropist and real estate mogul Mark Hagel and his wife Sharon Hagel, the founder of the nonprofit Space Kids Global, explorer and University of North Carolina professor Jim Kitchen, and Dr. George Neild, the president of Commercial Space Technologies and former manager of the Flight Integration Office for NASA's Space Shuttle program. And the collection of headshots of all six of them on Blue Origin's website is kind of cracking me up. It looks like a group of investors next to, like, the 20-year-old startup entrepreneur that their nephew convinced them to invest in and whom they are already regretting meeting with. I can only imagine the kinds of conversations these six will have on their way up. The Verge notes that Davidson is the honorary guest on this flight, like Shatner was, while the rest are paying customers, if you couldn't tell from most of their job titles. The flight is scheduled for March 23rd, that is next Wednesday, at 8.30am Central Time, 9.30am Eastern, you can watch coverage of the launch on Blue Origin's website. Another thing that I love about this news is that pretty much every article is running this with a still of Davidson in one of his classic Chad sketches from Saturday Night Live in which his bro-y, apathetic character goes to Mars. Ironically, that was the episode Elon Musk hosted, and Davidson's character traveled on a SpaceX craft to get there. I really can't wait for Davidson to appear on his first Weekend Update interview, Earthside, you know, maybe on the 26th. Just, like, how wild for an SNL cast member to just casually return to their weekly sketches after being in space. Our world is so weird right now. Well, in a fitting reminder that there has always been strange beauty in our world, Kotke.org turned 24 today. Jason Kotke has reliably been providing us with interesting and thought-provoking posts since this day in 1998. He shared some nice thoughts that he wrote on the 20th anniversary, including this line that I feel describes my experience with this podcast a bit as well. Quote, I had a personal realization recently. Kotke.org isn't so much a thing I'm making, but a process I'm going through. A journey. A journey towards knowledge, discovery, empathy, connection, and a better way of seeing the world. Along the way, i found myself and all of you. I feel so, so, so lucky to have had this opportunity. End quote. And if you have enjoyed being a part of that journey, you can always become a member of Kotke.org to help keep the blog running, or just share it with a friend. And if you like this podcast enough to have listened all the way to the end here, consider sharing it with a friend as well. Let's bring more people in on this journey. And with that, I will sign off for the day. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I'm Jackson Bird, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.